Minister, our foreign policy is, is rooted on the idea that we want a better South Africa, a better Africa in a better world. How are we doing in pushing that particular mandate? Well, uh, in terms of goal seven uh, of our medium-term strategic uh, framework, which is a better South Africa, better Africa, a better world, uh, we're working hard to make this a, a reality. I think on uh, the African continent, our contribution has been uh, really positive, especially in the last two very difficult years, where South Africa, serving as chair, of the African Union in 2020 had to work very, very closely with the continent to advance our response uh, to COVID-19 and ensure that we protect lives and uh, pay attention to the continuing development of the African continent. I think the work led by President Ramaphosa in terms of ensuring access uh, to vaccines and to other uh, equipment that was necessary to respond effectively to COVID-19 was really very, very good work. So that is uh, with respect to responding uh, to the continent. With respect to our country, clearly there continue to be many challenges. Some arise from COVID-19 and some are just a large set of challenges that we need to respond to as a country. The framing of the economic uh, recovery and reconstruction uh, program is our response to our specific set of challenges as South Africa. Very focused on building a stronger economy, uh, focused on ensuring that we expand in key uh, economic sectors such as mining, addressing our energy challenges, really strengthening the manufacturing capacity of South Africa, re-energizing tourism so that we create uh, the jobs that are necessary for our country and our young people especially uh, to thrive. So um, we are working on that three-pronged uh, set of objectives. The global community, you know that uh, we're very concerned about the conflict, the war that is underway uh, between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, we're concerned about the humanitarian uh, needs of the people of Ukraine. We're concerned about this war continuing for so many months and people talking of it existing uh, for a, a long period. We're worried about what it means in terms of global institutions, which give us that better world uh, uh, that we want. So. We continue to insist that greater efforts at diplomacy, uh, a clearer focus on a negotiated uh, settlement uh, is important. We continue to encourage the African Union and our own president to keep talking to both countries to encourage diplomacy, to encourage a negotiated outcome. Sticking with the world, uh, we are good in terms of uh, negotiation and also getting into dispute resolution. We've done that in Burundi, in Sudan as well. Now, if we were to bring these parties to the table, what would be our proposal, our solution to the war in Ukraine to bring it to an end? Well, I think the first step would be that we must understand uh, what the concerns of both countries are and uh, ensure that uh, we return to respect for the Charter of the United Nations, 
which calls on all of us to respect the territorial integrity of member states of the uh, UN. So uh, any outcome uh, that is agreed upon must ensure the people of Ukraine of their security, uh, their sovereignty, and their safety. It must also assure uh, Russia that its concerns are addressed by the settlement. But war, as President Ramaphosa has said, is to be abhorred and avoided uh, because its circumstances are so tragic. This is why we continue to call for a settlement. We'd like to see a ceasefire as soon as possible, an end to hostilities, and really uh, laying the basis for negotiations to begin. One would also say that the uh, conflict in Ukraine has kind of overshadowed all the other conflicts that exist in the world. We will talk about northern Mozambique, uh, the coups in Mali, Burkina Faso, and uh, and also looking into the issues happening in the rest of the continent where we were meant to have silenced the guns by 2020, even Palestine. W would you agree with that assertion that these are being overshadowed by the war in Ukraine? This is something we've been raising in all the international fora uh, that we have attended uh, since this war uh, began. Uh, we have expressed concern uh, that all of us are being directed to discuss this particular conflict when for ourselves on our own continent there are so many conflicts and where of course there continues to be injustice uh, and abuse of human rights uh, in Palestinian uh, territories. So uh, we are worried uh, that all the troubles of the rest of the world are being uh, forgotten uh, and neglected. And we are arguing that all war, all conflicts, all suffering, all vulnerability should concern the world community. And we must focus on all of them equally to ensure that the concerns and interests of all marginalized, vulnerable, and poor people are addressed. Before coming here, Minister, we were in Singapore where you did meet some, some of your counterparts. Can we speak about the strategic importance of Singapore and some of the deliberations that you had while you were there? Well, I found Singapore to be a fascinating country. Uh, their ingenuity is just incredible very innovative, very self-confident, um, amazing investment in their people, in skills, and really a very digital uh, economy uh, and, and modern society. I wish we could mirror uh, some of those developments. So we drew a lot of lessons uh, from what they have done to develop their economy and called on them uh, to take up partnerships with South Africa as we address our own uh, uh, very significant challenges. They have a very uh, interesting mix of elements of protection in the social security domain uh, of those who need support, but also a very wealthy country with a very vibrant uh, uh, capitalist business sector. And how they've married uh, those two is, I think, really fascinating and is something we should study that people have free healthcare, free education, while there's a very robust and active private sector, which also contributes to a social compact 
that ensures that the interests of all are addressed. So I think there are lessons to draw on uh, with respect to Singapore. I also met uh, some of the leadership uh, of the large investment uh, companies uh, that hold assets all over the world in different economies and uh, spoke to them about our country, that it is an attractive destination uh, for foreign direct investment and that we would like to see them attending the South African Investment Conference this year and taking up uh, an interest in investing more in our country. Traditionally, Singapore was regarded as one of the four Asian tigers. Um, do you see it as the gateway to Southeast Asia for South Africa to continue to do work bilaterally in that area? Well, we have friendly relations with Singapore. We must sustain those and expand them. Uh, but as my colleagues in uh, Singapore pointed out to us, uh, we must also pay attention uh, to the rest of the ASEAN uh, uh, member countries because many of them are you know, vital economic uh, destinations and opportunities for South Africa. We came to the foreign ministers meeting here in Bali, Singapore, where you've conducted a, a, a large number of bilaterals with uh, countries like France, the United States, Japan, and uh, many others like uh, Mexico and the European Union. What are some of the deliberations that uh, came out of those uh, bilaterals? Well, we're in Bali, Indonesia, yes. uh, and uh, the uh, discussions with my colleagues, my count the counterparts, uh, other foreign ministers, have really centered around Ukraine, Russia. This is uh, a major concern uh, for all of them, particularly the European countries and the United States. But I've also tried to convey the message about paying attention to the African continent and its development priorities, and that we would like to see the partnership between the various countries, the EU um, and uh, the African continent uh, continued, grown, expanded, so that uh, we can derive greater benefit as Africa. I've appealed to them that while indeed there is this worrying war, they shouldn't forget there is the rest of the world as well. Now, getting into the foreign minister's meeting itself, there were sessions around energy and food security and also the strengthening of multilateralism. I know you also spoke on the issues on behalf of South Africa. Could you take us through some of the outcomes and some of your inputs in the meeting? Well, essentially, uh, I expressed the concern that we have in South Africa of growing inflation, uh, higher food prices, and very high fuel uh, uh, prices for our ordinary uh, citizens who are really bearing the brunt of the uh, results of a war that they have no part in. Uh, and I called on greater efforts to be directed at getting food supplies, particularly grain, out of uh, Ukraine and Russia into countries that are feeling the threat ever present of food security. I uh, propose that we should give greater attention and support to the <clears throat> UN Secretary General and have the UN play a role because it is really not an interested party in direct involvement in the conflict, um, that they assist in getting uh, grain uh, moving because many countries 
<clears throat> are in need of grain and are in need of oil. So these were some of the arguments. But really, the core point uh, that I made is also, as we think about food security, let's look at food production on the African continent. And let's use uh, development uh, uh, aid to support African countries to be more productive because we have huge uh, uh, arable spaces. We also have water resources in many <clears throat> African countries, and I believe we can contribute to world food security. Now, according to uh, Professor uh, Jeffrey Sachs, he believes that um, the military blocs like the North Atlantic Treaty Organization also and other alliances by countries are quite divisive in terms of the international community. Is this an assertion that you would agree with? Well, um, he's a well-respected uh, uh, economist and, and academic, uh, so I would not disagree nor would I agree. Uh, I think that this is a view that he expressed uh, to the meeting. I believe the issues are very complex, uh, but they do need to be ironed out, as South Africa has proposed, uh, around a negotiating table. And I think uh, we should have uh, independent interlocutors who would support the process of discussing um, <clears throat> these matters. I think it would be very difficult for parties that are involved in this war, either directly or indirectly, to be the ones that attempt to resolve it. And for now, uh, my sense is uh, those who are talking most about it are the ones who are most involved as hostile parties to each other. And we need to change that context in order to have a discussion that leads us somewhere. Now, there was a promise of special drawing rights to needy countries at this moment. Um, did this meeting achieve any solid uh, commitments towards that? Well, apart from articulating uh, that the IMF should act on this agreement, uh, I don't think there was a direct reference. We have adopted uh, this in previous uh, meetings of the G20. What we want to see is action. A number of African countries have indicated they have not enjoyed uh, the access that was promised by previous uh, declarations. I do think we need to begin to find out why, what's actually going on, because we've agreed um, that those countries that have high levels of debt, those that require liquidity for their economies uh, to recover, do uh, need access to special drawing rights. Developed countries are not using them, so we should make them available. Now, globally, <coughs> elsewhere, there are developments in uh, number 10 Downing Street in the United Kingdom. Uh, what is our reaction to that? Well, I said uh, in my contribution on energy that we'd begun discussing uh, with the government of uh, Prime Minister Johnson uh, the Just Energy Transition Partnership. And uh, we're now going to have to discuss with the, another government, I assume, uh, once a Prime Minister uh, you know, has been uh, selected by the Conservative Party. Um, we've had good relations uh, with Prime Minister uh, uh, Johnson, former Prime Minister, I don't know. He's still Prime Minister for now. Prime Minister. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I'm saddened to see him uh, go, but I would assume that uh, he would say he's done the honourable thing. 
Now, sad news coming from Tokyo in Japan, where the former uh, Prime Minister, long-serving Prime Minister of Japan, uh, Shinzo Abe, was assassinated. Uh, I know you did meet with the Japanese uh, representative a bit earlier on, but I think at that point it was, he was still critical. Yeah. What is our message to the people of Japan and the world? Former Prime Minister Abe was another good friend uh, of, of Africa and South Africa, and I'm really saddened, and I, as I'm sure many South Africans are, at his violent and tragic death. Um, I think this gun violence must be brought to an end all over the world. Uh, it's a really unusual circumstance for, for Japan, for Tokyo. Um, I express our sympathies to the people, the government of Japan and the family of former Prime Minister Abe. I'm absolutely horrified at what has happened. I actually find it difficult to believe uh, that this is true, that such a person who had made a, a, such a contribution both to his country, but to our continent and as opposed to the world, uh, that he's now lost to us in such a terrible way. Lastly, Minister, the SABC would like to know uh, what is our view on the fact that some G20 members have a view towards uh, President Vladimir Putin not attending the Heads of State Summit of the G20 towards the end of the year? What is our position on that view? Well, you know, we, we believe that uh, these four are there for us to discuss, uh, to exchange views, and uh, to persuade each other on particular uh, goals, objectives, or perspectives. And if you exclude, you don't hear the view. So we believe all G20 members should attend the summit and have an open uh, debate and discussion. Thank you very much, Mr. Fiatak.